I'm Cindy. And I'm Dale. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like and comment on our YouTube videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor. You can listen to us everywhere podcasts are found at 16mm Film Crew Podcast. Leave us a rate and review. And visit us on our website at www.16millimeterfilmcrew.com. So this week we watched Titan, which is a French film, um, 2021. It debuted at the Cannes Film Festival, and I think it won the um, Palme d'Or last year. So it's very hard to describe what this movie is about, but basically it's about Alexia, a woman who, after being injured in a car accident as a child, has a titanium plate fitted into her head. Um, it is starring Vincent Ledon, uh, Agathe Roussel, and it's directed by Julia Ducourneau. Julia won, I think. Yeah, because the movie won the Palme d'Or, so she was like the second woman ever to win yeah. that prize I can, which was really exciting. And I know if you're like in the film space, if you're like a cinephile or you just love movies, this was a very talked about film. I heard a lot of my favorite people talking about it all last year. So I'm glad we got to review it. This movie was wild, but it also went in a place I wasn't expecting. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, those are my initial thoughts. <laughs> That's, that's your short film review mm-hmm. yeah wild wild is probably an accurate description of it um at its core to me this movie summarized at its core um like because this movie is really not about anything in particular because it's more of a horror movie but usually mm-hmm. in most horror slash dramas there's kind of a plot to a degree and then this movie there's like there are thin plots, like when she's with the firefighter guy pretending to be her, her daughter. I mean, not the son. There's a kind of a plot there. Like, he clearly is a father mourning, and he kind of, like, socially attaches on somebody that he clearly knows is not their child, but they still go through the motions. So that's that's a plot there. Like, it's a bunch of different, separate, you know, subplots to a degree. Um, but this is one of those movies I think perfectly sums up the disconnect between critics and auteurs. Like people, like oh my gosh, this movie's like those people mm. who like both the art of filmmaking and stuff like that, and like general um public like kind of thing. Um, like because it like feel like if you're a regular person, just you could leave this movie thinking like what the fuck. I left this movie like thinking what the what the fuck. You know, after watching it, um. It was probably one of the few times I will probably side with the Oscars because I know it was shortlisted for um, Best International Feature at the Academy Awards and like for the like, Academy Awards, but it didn't make the shortlist. So it's one of those, I agree, like it, it's, it's, it's an amazing movie, but it's one of those where I think the Oscars is also about general, uh, not just their stuff, even though because they vote not on a critical level. They mostly vote on if I've seen the movie. So I think this is one of those perfect things where it fits because this is not one of the movies where audience people, if you see this post or see anything about something, a regular person not going to want to watch this movie. So I will agree with the Oscars as far as that decision. But yeah, this this movie is a lot. Like, so many like weird like things are going on in this movie. Yeah. So I think we should just like... Uh, 
get into it to a degree. Yeah, we can get into it. Um, so basically, this movie starts with a little girl, um, Alexa, who is with. He's driving in the car with her father, and she's like annoying him, and he doesn't really have the patience for her, and so she unbuckles her seatbelt and gets out of her car seat, and he turns around to like chastise her and get her back in the car seat, but they end up getting in an accident. And she ends up with a titanium plate in her head because I think there was some like serious damage that happened to her during that car accident, yeah, obviously. I think, I think the rear, she's going into the trunk, I think, and the rear hits. Mm. So I think that she, that's why she got the most damage, I think, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And she wasn't wearing her seatbelt. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. But um, then it kind of flashes forward to her as an adult and she is like a model for like cars or whatever i didn't know that was a thing for real like i thought that was like in video games <laughs> where you have like the model next to the car with like the flames on it or whatever oh, they, and they're they like are. they around. are but i've never yeah. seen it to this degree like i've yeah. got plenty of car shows and car mm-hmm. meets i've never seen it to a degree where the girls basically like suggestively dancing on top of the car they're listening to that degree maybe that's how they do it in europe i don't know so, but yeah yeah i was like shocked i was like okay but honestly she was getting it like she didn't have a booty but she was really like she was using whatever she had basically and i was like okay work but um yeah it was a lot it was a lot um and basically i don't know i guess like her and some other girl they get into a little thing and I was like, okay, I think I've seen this in like the trailers or whatever. So I think I knew where this was going. But then, <laughs> but then she has sex with a car. And I'll be honest, I actually did not watch this scene. I skipped over it. I skipped over yeah. a lot in the first 20 minutes. I'm not going to lie because it was just very intense. And I was like, oh my God, wait, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch the movie. I just skipped over some of those scenes. Um, but and she, basically, she gets impregnated by the car. Yeah, and like the weirdness, like starts like right off the bat. This movie, like the movie, like starts normal kid in an accident, you know, gets hurt. Um, I I thought, you know, because it jumps to her as an adult, as a, as a dancer at car shows, whatever. And then after that scene, it kind of it kind of progresses to her flirting with coworker. And then after that, you know, you have her like um, interact like. Like she's running from a man. So I'm thinking, okay, it's a stalker because of the scene, the car shooting guys, guys running the talk. So I'm like, okay, she has some level of, I guess, fame and celebrity to a degree, and she has stalkers now. So I, I got that scene, and then she kind of just stabs him in the air. Like that came out of like left, left field for me. And I was like, that's pretty accurate. I feel like she's, done, I felt like for an odd reason, like she's kind of done this before to like, to, dead ass like oh, i'm gonna just jab it into the ear and the fact of how she was so nonchalant with the whole thing i thought you know she was scared and stalker i thought she was gonna just lock the door and like drive off but she let the person kiss her and then decides to kill him and then she hides the body and then you get to the scene with her in the car which is like top 10 weirdest <laughs> scenes in the car because i thought i thought it was oh somebody stayed late and was trying to get her in the car. And I thought, you know, based on that shot, like she was having sex with somebody in the car. And then he goes to the interior shot, it's just her. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's confused. I was like, but this scene also made me realize something that 
beyond we know the surface level stuff like filmmaking in Europe is like they're a lot more Carnival of Duty than we are. I think yeah. I think I think in the midst of watching all these foreign films, like I've just gotten barrage due to things to the point where I find it awkward now when I'm watching these movies. Mm. But yeah, like off the bat, it like it seemed normal. Girl, car accident, stalker, and the whole movie goes left the moment she has sex in the car. Like just says fuck it and goes off the rails. So Yep. Um, quite crazy. I'll like just do a little beat by beat of what happens later. Basically, um, so basically there has been news reports of a series of murders that have been taking place in, I guess, southern France, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is that like she finds out that she's pregnant by the car, mm-hmm. and then she um kind of goes on the run and. As she's going on the run, she sees that there is a young boy who has been missing for a couple, for like a bunch of years now. So basically, if by by present day, he's an adult and she decides to take on that persona. And so she shaves her head. She gets a binder and she like binds her like stomach, her pregnant stomach and her boobs. So no one can tell that she's a that she's a woman. You skip the part, though. Where which part the setup as far as like okay they do reveal that she's kind of a serious killer to a degree because the scene yeah. of the house party with her co-worker oh yeah she hooks up with her co-worker she also finds she's pregnant she tries to abort the baby herself with the same hairpin she murdered yeah. the guy with and then she goes and attempts to kill everybody at the house party except for one person and that's how she ends up you know being on the run because that person recognized her and reported her to the cops Oh, oh, you know what? That is true because she was like in a fight with the girl. Yeah. And when she killed everybody else, but she didn't kill her. And yeah. so that's why the girl called the cops on her. And it's like, well, <laughs> you should have finished the job if you didn't want to get <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Like, that's really crazy. But anyway, so okay. the series of murders I mentioned earlier was her. She's Alexa is the girl who was killing everyone. Um, she's basically a psychopath just murdering people <laughs> innocent or otherwise like they will die um and then the there's a guy the man vincent he is a fire a fighter fire a firefighter there we go mm-hmm. and a- adrian who is who she's impersonating that's he thinks that you know his son has been found and he takes her home and it begins with like a father-son relationship even though at a certain point, it's very clear that like we know that you are you're not the child, and I think that's one of the issues that I had. I was like, are so are we just gonna say or pretend like this is this is the son? Like obviously it's not the son, but whatever. I, people find out eventually, and the synopsis is they don't care, <laughs> like they don't actually care that it's not the kid. Um, they just want the relationship with, you know, they just want someone to love and. It's implied that Alexa also just wants like a father figure because her actual father seems very indifferent and cold towards her. And that, along with the fact that she has like this plate in her head, is just making her very like closed off and cold to people, which makes it easy for her to just murder people. Because whoever gets close to her, she doesn't feel comfortable and she just murders them. Yeah. And through Except this. For <laughs> Except for cars. Um, And then through this journey of like becoming this like androgynous figure 
in having like a substitute father, she learns how to like open up and actually like love someone else. Yeah. Which is like where I just was not expecting this movie to go there. I liked it. Like I liked kind of throwing out gender roles and I liked the how like living in different skins and all the other stuff. Like I actually really enjoyed the latter part of this movie much more than I liked the first part. Beginning, yeah. Um, because it felt like it was something of substance and it wasn't just like shocking. So I really enjoyed it towards the end. Obviously the cinematography looked incredible. Like the lighting, the music was really good. All the performances were really good as well. I liked that there was like a two, like a first story where it's like, she's on her own and she's like murdering people. And then there's this story where it's like her and Vincent forming a bond. Um, and you can kind of see how the patriarchy just like destroys men and women. I think that's, I think this is like one of the first films that I've seen that really dives into that subject matter where it's like Vincent is like pumping himself with steroids and all this other stuff because he wants to be young and he wants to be strong and he asserts his control over all the other fighter fires. Um, and it's like a very toxic kind of version of masculinity. And then you see him with her and he's very caring and nurturing. And like, you can just see like the facades we put up just to like survive in this patriarchal system. Like even what she does in the beginning, being like a dancer with the cars, it's all, she's like survival. using her body and stuff like that. Just, you know, for survival. Like, yeah. and then I just liked seeing the breakdown of that. And this was a very interesting way to do it. Cause this is body horror. Like this was very uncomfortable. Like there were many scenes um, where I was just like, Ooh, like every time she puts on the binder as her belly is like getting bigger and bigger, that made me like the most uncomfortable, like despite the nudity and all the other stuff, like that was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. Cause I'm like, girl, there is a baby in there. <laughs> like we know it's from a car, but still like, you know what I'm saying? Like that was just vastly uncomfortable for like forcing the binder just over her body. So no one would know. And it's like, ah. I was like squirming the entire time. <laughs> yeah. This, um, yeah, that at the core, like that middle, section with her and eight her and um vincent um the actor yeah. also the name of the character as well mm -hmm. that middle section between them and the end it's probably the best part of the movie i do think um it could have done without the body horror aspect of it you know yeah. mm -hmm. or of her you know not just like the murder part probably could have remained i don't know but the part of her becoming pregnant by a car and as she gets more and more further in pregnancy. She starts lactating, like, oil and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Her stomach stretches and reveals titanium and metal. Like, oh, I, I feel like, that was I the feel worst. Like that was the, the worst. I feel like the body horror aspect of it kind of takes away, in a way, because you're, you're, you're left, like, wait, constantly saying, what the fuck? Like, literally, you're saying, what the fuck? I, I do think it would have been a really good story without those moments in there you know the, the, yeah. the core thematic interpersonal relationship between those two at its core is really what the movie is about and the, and it, the same story could have been there i feel like the horror and nudity was just added there for for a kick of spice you know like when you're you're working on something and you do too much i feel like those elements were they're doing too much portion of it you know and i also would have liked to see the progression from her as a child how of course as a kid 
you know, and you're behaving like that and you get hurt as a, as a child, like those, that's a traumatic experience. And I want to see that schism between her and her father, how it develops into adulthood because she's still living at the house as, as an adult. So I, I, I did, I want to see how that schism between her and her father led to her start killing people. You know, there's, that's another plot thread that, you know, that didn't really continue. So there are, there are a lot of things in the movie I think she could have focused on more. Um, Julia could have focused on more, more than the barrio, the body horror, sex with a car, pregnant by a car aspect. She could, still could have been pregnant, you know, but not necessarily, you know, by a car and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, you're not the first person to say that. Someone else said yeah. that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, I don't think it needed that stuff either. Again, I always say you don't ever need that stuff. Like, you don't need nudity at all. I, that is a, that's a hill I'm willing to die on. But um, because Julia had made another film called Raw, I don't know if you heard that film. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I heard it because I like watch all these dudes who watch like really crazy stuff. But yeah, um, that was also a body horror movie. So I think that's just the genre that she works in. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't know what body horror was before Crimes of Future. Like that was the first time I had ever heard of that genre. So I'm, I'm, fig- I'm learning a lot <laughs> through that movie in this one. I am just learning a lot. But um, I think that's just a way to accentuate points that she's already trying to make. So, um, but, and I think she likes to do things that are gross and weird because she says that being a human is gross and weird. So she's going to explore that again. I think it's a very European sensibility where it's just like, we're going to do really weird stuff. We're going to do things that are over the top and unexpected because we can yeah, because we don't have the censors like America. Like we can literally do whatever we yeah. want, and I think that's just how they operate. Like yeah. I don't know. I think it's a cultural thing. I, I, and I'm and I'm I'm okay with that. Um, but like it, every time we start watching like more, because in the past couple of years we've been engrossing ourselves more in these foreign films. Like mm-hmm. I can see the 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 different, you know, yeah, the dichotomy between you know Hollywood style and uh, you know. Asian market, like Korean or, Ch- or Korean Chinese films when I watch those, or you know, when I watch these European films, like it's so it's, it's different. Like, I think the other markets give the directors and studios a lot more chance to be as creative and out there with the stuff they're doing compared to compared to here. So, so yeah. that's yeah, and I actually like that. Like, I think that. I'm really into like these films, these European films are made by European filmmakers, but also ones that are made by Asian filmmakers because they take it so seriously. Like when I was watching these interviews for this movie, like everyone just takes it like so seriously. Like the the way that she was describing this movie, Julia and doing like, I'm going to make the main character completely unlikable. I know I'm going to do things that are going to make people upset and I just have to do it. I was like, that's cool like they're not worried about studios they're not worried about box office like they're literally just doing whatever they feel like they need to do and whatever creative fulfillment they need to get they just go for it like i love that way of making movies and of understanding film versus the one that we have here where it's very based around numbers and critics and audience like 
scores and all that other stuff like it's very like a number of money based thing here where over there it really isn't like it's about the art and i really respect that more <laughs> so even though this movie was insane i respect it more than i will respect whatever else they're trying to make over here to seem like interesting and dangerous and it's not like they're literally doing it for yeah ratings or because the studio was forcing their hand and making them do it so and it's, and it's clear from this movie, like you did mention Crimes of Future, Cronenberg, that being body horror. And that's that's funny you mentioned that because she does mention she takes inspiration from Cronenberg, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Lynch, and, you know, Mary Shelley and Edgar Allan Poe. And that's really evident when you watch, watch this movie because, like, Mary Shelley and Edgar Allan Poe, those are really dark writers. We don't think of yeah. them as dark, but, oh, I you know, do. the whole Elizabethan, <laughs> Elizabethan horror mm-hmm. there... They're actually like really They're dark, very, and, you, yeah. and you got you know at least see those influences that she has from Lynch and Cronenberg are very evident in this movie. Yeah, I will say that um, the performances were great. Like, I guess yeah. they found her on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I'm like, really? <laughs> That's amazing. And like the fact that she did such a good job, and mostly because a lot of the movie is nonverbal; like, she's not speaking mm-hmm. through most of it, so everything is like body movements facial expressions i think whenever you're able to pull that off that really shows that you're very talented mm-hmm. and the fact they found her off instagram and this was her first job is kind of amazing like that's astounding yeah i'm shook yeah i'm like watching this movie like seeing her i know like european standards of beauty and america's it's really totally different mm-hmm. but like if like she gives off the vibe of I'm a murderer. Like when you, yeah, like no, no shot to her, but like she gives off that. She, her, her gaze and her look, her features are really intense. So mm-hmm. when it like, and I, and I, and I love that, which is weird because I find it interesting when they kind of cast women in these horror roles. They're always, they're always very intense. But as through history, when we kind of look at actually mass murderers who for the most part tend to be men they're always kind of somewhat jovial looking so i always find that kind of funny in film when they're usually doing horror they get these really like like when they have horror but the woman is a killer they have these like really intense you know Mm. really intense gazes of features when realistically a lot of serial killers you wouldn't even know they were serial killers because they look so jovial and happy and stuff like that which is which is interesting when they do that in cinema yeah and also i liked that she had a very like androgynous look or she could be either a male or female you wouldn't know um like when i was watching the ending of this movie i forgot what she looked like in the beginning like i completely forgot and i was like oh yeah that is what she used to look like (laughs) yeah crazy um but yeah i to end it well to end the film Basically, she does give birth to a baby, but it's like, I think it has like t- a titanium spine or some some weird thing like that. Yeah. Um, and it's cradled by Vincent and he now has like an actual child to take care of instead of like pretending like this other person is his child and when it's not. Um, yeah. I thought that was very sweet. It's weird. I just didn't think that this movie was going to go in this direction. So when I was like feeling things for the characters i was like oh this is unexpected like i didn't expect to care about like a woman who like literally just murdered like a whole bunch of people um but i did 
and I cared about Benson as well, even though he yeah, got I, on my I nerves. Did. I, I didn't care about this <laughs> because it's it's that age old thing of you know coming to terms with the loss of your youth, especially for Vincent being a firefighter. That's basically honestly a young man's mm. thing. You're, you're at your peak, you're at your physical strength, and you're also dealing with the the softer side of him coming to terms with him not being that person. Like that whole thing at the end where they're having the party, that's real hyper that's that's borderline hyper masculine and hype and like it's it it walked like it's a like homoerotic. Yeah, homoerotic, I mean, it was really homoerotic yeah. to a degree. Like it walked a fine line of masculine erotic because you got half the fire, all them their shirts off, just raving and dancing, and then like and they're vibing, have a good time, and it only got weird when uh Adrian, you know, mm-hmm. Alexa as Adrian, where they were making fun of her being like being mute and being gay and being androgynous goes up there and starts dancing. And then they really go, oh man, this thing is whack. Like that whole kind of thing. Like before you were, you were really comfortable, really cool dancing shirtless, sweating around your boys. But as soon as, you know, homeboy gets up on top of the fire truck and starts selectively dancing, like I was like, oh, okay. So now it's, now it's like you're concerned because that might be, that might not be a dude, but you were, you were, you were, y'all were bumping kind of close with your, your your shirt, so I don't know. So it's not yeah. hilarious. Yeah, that's so. funny. Anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I thought this movie was super interesting. Like it was crazy, but I also think like the most of the crazy stuff, or what felt really crazy to me, kind of ended after like forty five minutes, and I was able to like really get into like what the story is about, and I really enjoyed that story. Um, and I also like that. I think Julia said that, you know, for, for women, it's, or for men, men think that they can kind of like do whatever. And there isn't like an expectation that they'll get physically hurt. Yeah. So the fact that she's able to physically hurt these people and actually kill them is like, I think that's what like the driving force of her actually, Julia actually making the movie was, was like, understanding like female rage and what that looks like as well as like these social structure like these social systems that kind of in- trap us and like how we can get free from those things yeah. and what we really care about which are again it always comes back to the same thing interpersonal you know, yeah. relationships like that's yeah. what everything comes down to it's just dressed up as different things for different movies so yeah. that's fine by me i like that but overall i really thought this movie was like really good and i think that it deserves the credit that it's gotten i think it was framed very much as like this woman has sex with the car and like that was basically how everyone like listed it in like critical critical writing and journalism and all these reports about the film like that's what they took away from it but it's so much more than that that i think if you get stuck on that part you might not actually see it but i think yeah. that if you just get past that or maybe, yeah. I don't know, some people are into that stuff. I don't know. But, like, if you don't care, like, you just get that part and then <laughs> get into the actual story. I think the real story is really good. Yeah, that 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 whole part is mostly there for shock, shock value to agree. Like, the crux of the story is girl on the run for mm-hmm. murder is pregnant, hides in pregnancy, pretends to be a boy, builds a relationship with a man, like a father-son or parental relationship with them. And at the end, ends up giving birth and dying during, during birth. You know, like mm-hmm. the the stuff with the car. Even though 
it does reveal itself every time they show the body you see a piece of metal like it's like kind of thrown in there um but i do want to uh, my only thing at the end is at the end where she like he already knows uh adrian's a, a, a girl like mm-hmm. she walks in sees a pregnant belly kind of says i don't care you're mm-hmm. my son because mm-hmm. at that point he's already i think he's had inclinations because everybody he like he's a he's aware like right. you're not my child but you know i'm been longing for this child for like seven years i'm gonna attach to you there's at the end where she's like um after once again she pledges herself or has sex with the fire truck she's like suddenly not giving birth she goes in and tries to seduce vincent before telling him the situation i was like how is that gonna go like you're almost about to give birth you're gonna seduce this man and then hey yeah the baby i just gave birth to is actually yours like how like how is her whole how how is that gonna work out you know Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah you have to take yeah there were many questions that i had and then after a certain point i was like i'm not even gonna ask any more questions like some of this just isn't gonna make sense (laughs) i had to just accept that piece of it because i was like are you like i know y'all know like what are you but i think maybe um I could be just be giving the movie way too much credit and that's not actually what's going on. But maybe she doesn't know how to like express like a familial love to a male figure, like an older male figure other than sexually. And maybe Probably. that's the reason why she did that first. Cause I saw that and I was like, girl, what are you doing? Like you were about to give birth to a car baby. Like <laughs> a transformer, like Optimus <laughs> Prime is about to come out your vagina. Like I don't know why you're trying to seduce seduce old boy. Like I don't know what your thought process is. He already saw you had a pregnant belly already. As well. Oh my god, I can't. Not like, a transformer, like, but yes. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe that might be what's going. Anyways, either way, she she died. So <laughs> yeah, end of end of story. She died. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay, well, I'm hot. Um, what, how, yeah, ratings, what are you, what are you rating, not rating, how do you feel about it, overall? Uh, after getting past that, like, first, uh, 15, 20-minute mark, um, with, mostly it's a scene with the car. I skipped it, see? I skipped oh, yeah. it. I don't I mean, even know what happened. Well, good, you're lucky you don't know what happened. Um, after the scene with the car. Um, it is at its core. It's a good movie. Like you can delete the whole body horror aspect from it. Um, at the at the core, that those interpersonal relationships are at the core of this movie, and are usually at the core of good good movies and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to give it. I'll say four a four out of four point five out of five. Like the only thing taking me out of my enjoyment of the movie is probably that the whole body horror side of it because I feel like it wasn't not, not it wasn't necessary mm-hmm. at all you know yeah yeah this body horror thing I'm like really I don't know what this is about but mm, I think I I think I liked like the world building and the use of body horror in Crime to Future more. Yeah. than I did in this one, but I do like this movie better than I like Crimes of the Future. So, there's yeah, that. I think, I think with Crimes <laughs> of the Future, the core of the story was 
the story was about the human body. Right, so right, body right. So it made more made, sense. It made more <laughs> sense. So yeah, like everything else, like the world building in Kamen's Future, all that worked. But outside of that, nothing worked in that movie. Whereas mm-hmm. this has interpersonal stuff that Crime of the Future was missing, and mm-hmm. Crime of the Future has the accurate, like, the body, body horror being a part of the story. Like, if you can co- start combine those two, mm-hmm. like, both aspects, you'd probably have a, a really good movie that hits both notes, but... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I... Mm, I don't know if I'll rate it. I think I agree with your rating, but I think... I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would like suggest someone to go see this. No. I don't know if I'll say watch it if you feel like you can stomach it. That's that's my that's my advice. That's my recommendation. Like if you feel like you can take it, go see it. I think it's great. If it's not, if this is like a little too much, not your thing. Like don't. It's not even really my thing. But I was like, people are talking about it, so I'm gonna watch it. But <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. This is, do it if this you feel a- like you can do it. This isn't one of those movies that I'd recommend to someone. No, so yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to. Like it's a like it's one of those movies like critics salivate for. Like it's a movie I yes. have to say. If you're one of those movie people who love every kind of movie who who don't love the base, like not a shot, but like the basic film board, like oh, I want to watch the Marvel movie. Like if it if you're one of those people, it's not a shot of you because everybody likes watching Marvel movies. But if yeah. that's your if that's your wheelhouse for only watching movies and you don't really watch anything else as far as like any other kind of film, like you don't dabble any other aspects of film, this movie is not for you. If you're it's into like, either. if you want unique experiences, if you're okay with directors like being crazy and out there telling unique stories, or you can literally question like what the fuck constantly and still be entertained by the what the fuck aspect, this movie is for you. But if 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 you're a basic person who has like basic nothing wrong with being a basic person but if you're a basic person like this movie is not so and yeah. that's and that's the tea <laughs> oh yeah so i'm uh, moving on to that experience we are going into the box office portion of the um the show so it's kind of it's, it's a guess that, like this is that 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 late summer or like late summer early fall that midpoint you know august september not really until october you start seeing more fall you see more of the scary movies you see more of the the family movies into the new year's this kind of of course is a a great area for movies um but in that in that um aspect um um the the like a weird a movie uh the invitation up to of course top charts this weekend um making about um well making about six million gross um and it's like the fourth i think the fourth movie in since i think that's like the fourth movie in august that it's a debut movie has it's a chart chopper but it's below 10 million other movies are the crow city of angels the island of dr Moreau, and honeymoon of las vegas so like week before historically august is not a really good time like august september is not really the time to debut a movie um of course you know you've got Sylvester Stallone's um homage to i guess it would be m night Shyamalan. those movies where he has the kid he has with ice tray from euphoria you know who's ice tray from euphoria anywhere he kind of plays like an aging superhero um you have that um but it's kind of 
think um uh Abel's Beast debuted this weekend. So it's it's a lot of movies. It's this is kind of a low period before you pick back up into it. Um as far as the box office numbers. At number ten is where the crawdads sing, uh Thor Love and Thunder at nine, Minions at eight, uh Three Thousand Years of Longing, another movie featuring Idris Alba, uh debuted at number seven. Um DC Super Pets is at six. Dragon Ball Z Hero probably had the biggest box office drop between two weekends. It was debuted last week at number one, but now it dropped from number five with about uh 80% decrease um in gross between weekends which is really big that was to be expected this is not like it wasn't going to be one of those long-term movies it was like a quick oh latest dragon ball z movie i'm an anime fan i gotta go watch it it was always going to have that quick blip and debut and knock it out of the park and then drop off after that so that was to be expected because honestly most of these dragon ball movies or anime movies that release in the u.s they mostly get released on dvd or when we're younger vhs so yeah um, Top Gun Maverick holding steady at four uh, with its 14 week kind of imitating those same numbers we kind of saw with um, uh, everything everywhere at once. Um, but I guess that's still the whole fan thing of like Tom Cruise and stuff like that. Um, it's currently grossed domestically almost $700 million, which is amazing. Um, I think it's Tom Cruise's highest overall gross for a movie in his career, which is good um beast of course debuted uh the week before is that three from two bullet train goes from two to goes from three to two went up and of course like i mentioned before the invitation debuted at number one with seven million um domestically um of course as usual um almost across the board thor love and thunder is the number one movie internationally you have some places outlier you have uh nope is number one in mexico brazil saudi arabia australia indonesia and um the united emirates beast is number one movie there man's rise Groot is uh number one in china and in greece happily ever after oh after after ever happy is uh number one movie in netherlands the uk has top gun maverick um uh, Spain and France have uh, have a, a Paramount picture movie called Tad, the Lost Explorer of the Cursed Mummy. Um, it was only released third three days. Um, don't know if they'll get a U.S. release. Most likely not. Um, in Japan, and the number one movie there is Jurassic World Dominion. So a little variety, somewhat. But of course, you know, like I said, the biggest one was uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. I think Marvel is always waiting to cash in internationally with that movie and it seems like like i said we're in that dead spot so now let's pick it up once again okay then well let's move on to the news so major news coming out from this week barbie fiera is leaving euphoria before season three um i remember when i opened my instagram app and i saw her story lit up i clicked on it and then i saw the news that I think is the it, it's so good for her like I'm so proud of her for leaving that show like <laughs> no offense to Euphoria but honestly the way that they did that character her character cat so dirty in the second season like I'm so happy she's leaving basically she said that after four years of getting to embody the most special and enigmatic character cat I'm having to say a very teary-eyed goodbye I hope many of you can see yourself in her like I did in that she brought you joy to 
and she brought you joy to see her journey into the character she is today. So this comes admit, admit, or admiss, admit, I think it's admit, admissed, admissed, this comes, admissed, it's admissed. I'm sorry, I have to get the word right. Amid? <laughs> amid? Admit? Amid. Admit. Okay, yeah. thanks. I'm a words person, I have to get it right. Okay, yeah, so this comes amid the controversy between her and Sam Levinson that she's denied. But basically, there were a lot of rumors that Sam was trying to push the character into a direction that Barbie was not okay with. And so there were a lot of issues on set during season two. She like walked off the set a few times. She was not at the season two premiere. Um, And obviously, in season two, her character was very much sidelined and reduced. Now, from my understanding, in the first season, Sam has sat down with a lot of the main cast and kind of incorporated their points of view and perspective on their stories into the characters. So it made it more real and true and honest. So for Hunter, it was about being a trans person. For Barbie, it was about living in a bigger body. Like that's how they were incorporated into the show. Like that's how their stories were incorporated into their characters. And then for season two, that seemed like that did not happen. It seemed like Sam just took very much the reins, wrote everything from how he felt things should go, and it made it a lot more or a lot less authentic. And you can see that in Barbie's character, but you can also see that in Hunter's character, characters who were very important and interesting in the first season being sidelined in the second season. So I'm very happy that she's leaving because I feel like she needs to get away from that environment. (laughs) And she needs to be able to tell in stories that feel real and true and authentic to her. And I think that this is a great step for her in her direction. I think she's going to keep going up from this. I think, I don't love the fact that Euphoria is still going. I think it probably should have ended like season one. I should have been a limited series in my opinion, but whatever. (laughs) But whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's still here. So, um, but yeah, I think a lot of people felt let down the fact that Kat's character was just non-existent, really. And she was an important figure for a lot of people. So I think that it hurt kind of seeing what happened to her character and over squabbles with Sam. Like, it's just so petty. And, like, I'm just happy she's getting away from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's as, like, you don't, and I could, I'm, I'm not a woman, so I can't say from that point of view, but it's clearly obvious that her her character like she had an amazing arc that first season that just said hey you know that character arc where you grew and you learned about yourself and you became a better person we're just gonna reset that and pretend nothing happened that season in season two i feel like uh season two a lot of characters took a back seat you know mentioned hunter um you mentioned um uh barbie their characters even rue's character to a degree took a back seat to you know cindy sweetie's character and uh mon apatow's character and you know mm-hmm. like even alexa demi's character took a back seat for to them like the focus the focus of you know sam's for that season was those two girls and everybody else got minimized um i don't think sam i think issue with sam as a creator he's one of those creators who wants to do um everything himself Kind mm-hmm. of doesn't know how to lean on to other people. Um, because writing these ensemble stories with multiple people takes a really deft hand 
and massaging tool where even though some person's doing this thing, some person's doing anything, you have to know how to make it intertwine and mix perfectly. And he doesn't have that that touch. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's and and honestly, I I enjoyed her her character arc, especially. I understand, I, like I said, as a as I can't see as a woman, but as a man, I could I could relate because you know, let's just be honest. In society, bigger people aren't seen as you know sexually sexual people. So it was it was amazing to see. Like I love nowadays, like you know, uh, uh, bigger bigger people like me or whatever to allow to express. Like yeah, I'm like a fully sexual person. I'm just I'm not like a model type or I'm not big and soul. Does not mean I have any less sexual agency than you. And I love that journey that she had discovering herself and discovering a side that for a lot of people is, you know, repressed. Probably even more so for for bigger women. You know, mm-hmm. bigger, bigger guys can get away with it because oh you're a guy, you probably still get some. But I know for a lot of women it's probably a hard mm-hmm. topic to deal with. Um yeah, but like, like this week has been like a weird week for Euphoria Cassidy in general. Because speaking on Sydney C- Sweetie, um, apparently it was her mother's 60th birthday. Um, and you know, these celebrities and their teams, they're really good at curating perfectly their social media profiles and their content and stuff like that. Um, but you know, it turns out her brother didn't get the memo, they kind of threw, I guess. Uh, a 60th birthday party for her mom and in those pick her brother's pictures you can clearly see makeup um those mega trumpian make america great themed party hats that kind of said make 60 great again uh, with a lot of family members and relatives i guess to a degree wearing blue lives matter shirts um and she's facing blacklash for it which um she's she's kind of she kind of said people are interpreting innocent moment to be a political statement i I don't i do i do feel for her to a degree because she did try to hide it but you have to understand um as a person like those those things are kind of synonymous with really negative and derived people so once that kind of information comes out especially since it's a birthday party that means it's family friends people you know family members that ball is just going to get rolling and there's no way you can hold it back at all um so yeah yeah unfortunately we can't choose our family yeah <laughs> and to you <laughs> um not just that but i think hunter got in trouble as well like for talking about some blaming non-binary people for all the anti-transgender and um, the abortion laws going on. So it's wait, it's a wait, lot of what stuff. happened? It's a lot of Re- stuff rewind. going What's on that story? with the um, hunter so, dilemma. So apparently, <laughs> uh, so apparently, um, Schaefer kind of insinuated that non-binary people are to blame for some states barring transgender parent patients from assessing gender affirming care such as hormone therapy replacement. Um it went on a small soliloquy. Um and but he did end it edge, but she did end it saying um um that he they he that she wants non-binary people to take a seat back and let uh, binary trans people and black trans people be the voices of this community because they are the most at risk. And I, um so yeah so a lot of stuff going on with the euphoria like the euphoria circle 
Mm. Um, at least, you know, Zendaya is chilling in Europe with Tom, but yeah, everybody else is kind of just, you know, going crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like if you want, I think the thing with like having a platform and having many people looking on watching what you're doing and saying is that like, if you say things that are maybe kind of divisive or can stir the pot in any way, you are going to get criticized on it. And I think it's like weird because it's like you have this outlet to speak freely, but also you're, that speaking freely can cause a lot of backlash depending on what you're saying. Yeah. Which is why some people just don't say anything. And I understand yeah. that point of view. <laughs> I get it. Like, it's really, social media is awful. <laughs> That's why you, Tom left it. Yeah, look, you, you, you gotta have those moments where you put your foot too far in. It's happened to me. Where you say, okay, I'm not going to talk about this on social media. You got it. You got it. Basically, you got it's just trial by fire. So, okay. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Um, so, Shia LaBeouf addressed some of his abuse allegations with FK Twigs. There is a court case, and it is going to trial next year so this is like a real thing like everything that she alleged he did last year it's happening in court next year and he basically at first admitted some things denied others um now it seems like in this statement he is sort of owning up to some of it um to what degree i'm not sure um basically he said that he I hurt that woman, and in the process of doing that, I hurt many other people and many other people before that woman. I was pleasure-seeking, selfish, self-centered, dishonest, inconsiderate, fearful human being. Um, he said he effed up bad. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and also he said that he was thinking about like unaliving himself and all the other stuff. When it got to a critical point where he was in a really dark place, He's found Catholicism. He has a daughter with Mia Goth. Like, I guess he's on his redemption arc because of course he is. But my thing is like, I don't know if he's admitting to what she's saying that he did or if he's just like in general, like, yes, I hurt her because I maybe I hurt her emotionally. That's what I'm like saying I'm doing. I don't know. I'm not really sure how much she's really owning up to the allegations because he did deny some of them when the story came out last year. Yeah. Um, specifically about the physical abuse. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, Shia LaBeouf has always been one of these people who has just been messy, like just has always had some serious issues, been in drama, done some really wild, crazy things. And he's taken steps away from Hollywood and then he's come back and done this. And then he left again. They came back and did Honey Boy and all sorts of stuff. And then we celebrate him for being this amazing actor and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, now that there are true abuse allegations, like, and this is not something that's going to go away with like, I'm a sorry type of joint. Like, this is actually a lawsuit that's going to court. I don't really know. Maybe he's just trying to like put himself in a position where it, it looks better to you know, the general public, like he's actually trying to get better as a person. And I mean, great. Like, don't be the trash person that you were, of course. But also, I think you need to fully own up to what you did if these things are true. Um, I guess we'll find out in court. But 
I don't know. The energy feels like I, I want a career. So like, I need to like apologize. Like that's the energy I'm getting from this statement. Not that it's untrue, but it's also, it seems very methodical. Like I'm doing this for a purpose. Yeah, and you, you mentioned before, he also mentioned stuff, I guess it's been like, like it's been like nonstop for us talking about Warner Brothers bullshit for like the last year or so. But you mentioned something as well about bigger stuff because he was in um he was in um don't make don't worry darling and he was mm-hmm. removed from it. Like what else is good? Because you mentioned stuff about um before yes. about Florence and Olivia um Wilde. Oh, that's a whole mess. Oh, that's a whole mess. Basically, oh god, what the way that Shia ties into this is that he was playing the lead of Don't Worry Darling, which is, he it was recast and now Harry Styles is playing it. Yeah. But Olivia Wilde had said that she fired him because she has like a zero a-hole policy, whatever she said. And he came out in a series of statements and said, no, you didn't fire me. I quit. And I quit because we couldn't rehearse. And some audio got leaked on Twitter of her calling him and um, saying that she didn't want to lose him on the movie and she really wanted him to do it, which again contradicts her statement. The, is- the issue with Olivia Wilde is that there's so much controversy going around this particular film that I don't really know what's going to happen to it. Like, mm. that's just the Shia LaBeouf stuff. Then there's the stuff where Harry Styles, obviously, her and Harry Styles are dating. People have a lot of issues with that because one, she's older, and then two, she has two children, and then three, people think that she dumped Jason Sudeikis so she could be with Harry Styles. I won't comment on that, but I think, but basically, Harry Styles gave an interview with Rolling Stone, and she commented on that story because again, they're dating, and and she's a director of the film that he's coming out with. And she was like, you know, his fans are great, but there was just like a section of the fans who are mean and whatever. And like, that does not, that's not representative of him and blah, 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 blah. So there was some backlash against that because it's like the way she, I think the way she was talking about Harry Styles and and talking about him in past stuff has upset people because they're like, Harry Styles literally only acted in one movie before this and he's getting all this credit of being like this amazing actor and the most important part of the film or whatever. He didn't say that, but I think that's what people are like concluding. Um, so there was issues with that. And then in her interview with Variety, she gave a whole bunch of stuff where Jason Sudeikis served her papers, <laughs> like court papers at um, a convention she was at promoting this movie. And she was like, you know... I should have seen it coming because that's why I left the relationship because he would do stuff like this and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And I think people were also thinking like, is that really why you left the relationship, Olivia? Or was it because you were working with Harry Styles and there's that. Then there's another thing with Florence Pugh because they're saying that Florence Pugh is only going to do one appearance for this film. Like she's not going to promote it. I think they're making a little bit too much of this because she is shooting Dune. Like, it's not like she's like not doing anything, which is why. (laughs) And she's choosing not to go on the press tour. Like she's, she's working on a movie. Like that's probably the reason why she's not doing it. But they were pointing to social media stuff of like Florence, not really liking the fact that Olivia has put so much emphasis on the sex scenes of this film. And Florence came out in statements saying like, that's not what this movie is about. And my thing was like, that's all that's in the trailer though. 
but that again, that's not your decision. That's really I haven't even seen that. I haven't even seen much press about the movie. That it, honestly, this all this stuff talking mm-hmm. about Olivia and all these issues are the first time I've ever really seen press for this movie, which is really. It depends Amazing. on what section of the internet you're on. This is true. Yeah, so if you're on certain sections of the internet, you're going to see more of this stuff. If you're not, yeah. you're not really going to see it. But um, people were saying there were issues with her, with Florence and Olivia, and Florence didn't like Olivia, and that's why she's not promoting the movie, and that's why she's ignoring her on social media and all this other stuff. And Olivia tries to like dissuade that and whatever. But my thing from all of this is like the fact that she said that she fired Shia LaBeouf and turns out that he quit and there's like proof to back that up makes it just calls into question everything else that you've said because now I'm thinking well did that really happen or is your interpretation of things just not the truth like I just have questions about Olivia Wilde like I have questions I'm not going to get them answered but I do have questions about her because I'm like I need to, I need to, I don't have an understanding of like what she is or what she's trying to do. And it seems like what Florence, who's the main character of this film is not agreeing with, I guess, the tactics of how it's being promoted, which I completely understand. And people were saying like all the attention was taken up with her and Harry, like um, Olivia and Harry on that set, which made it maybe not like the best working environment. I'm not sure. All of these are rumors. All of these are alleged. I'm just saying, like, that's what I've heard. And I don't know, maybe that in th- maybe that makes you not really want to promote the movie either. Like, maybe that means I'm not going to ask Denis for like a week off to go promote this. Because even though I think that the film is good, like I enjoyed my time in it, I just don't mess with the director or what's happening here. Or so- the fact that, you know, I am the... I'm the main character to a degree, and I'm not being featured in any promotional, promotional thing. It's kind of, a, I think, a slap in Florence because Florence is again, I think, one of the most talented actresses of this generation of up and coming actors. Yeah, yeah, and she's done for an Oscar. And here is pop star trying to yeah. reinvoke, you know, doing poorly in my opinion, the whole Bowie Prince androgynous poorly. poorly, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Um, I love Harry. So, I am a Harry. I love Harry Styles, but I just I think love- Harry. Harry to me is like Rihanna. Like Harry and Rihanna, like are great people, but they just get involved with people who are messy. Yeah, like they just get involved with like the wrong people. Yeah. <laughs> That's my opinion on him. But I do love Harry. I'm happy. Like he seems like he's doing a good job in the film. From the trailer, he looked like he was really giving. Like he was giving everything to this role. It's just. The circumstances where how it's been built, where, you know, I mean, if you're director, like no one cares that Greta was in a movie with Noah Baumbach, who she was in a relationship with. Like no one cared about that. But I think maybe it's the fact because Olivia is a woman and Harry is a star star of the movie and she's the director. So there's like that power dynamic of like, I am your boss, but also we're dating like I think people are just so invested in him as a person that she kind of got swept up in that. And now it's like, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think people it. are only going to see the movie because yeah. of the situation. So uh, you you're like with Noah and Greta, I think it was because Noah wasn't, neither of them were as big. Right. So it was okay. And then people found out, oh, they're both directors. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. It makes sense. Whereas this is like Olivia Wilde's with 38 
I'm not knocking it. Hey, you want you want the young man? Get the young man. But he's also <laughs> dealing with he's at that press precipice of he's kind of like a global yeah star in a way. So the crux mm. of everything's gonna be oh older woman dating younger man and the younger man happens to be Harry Styles. You know, and I I do think yeah. with all these difficulties, I do think um. It's like her fourth, her fourth movie as a as a director. You know, did book really? smart. You know, yeah, she did a short film called Free Hugs in uh, twenty eleven. But she did oh. book smart twenty nineteen, and then after that, she did Wake Up with uh, Market Quali. That was a short film, and so it's, it's it's kind of a big jump for directors, especially I think her being being the person behind the cam, like in front of the camera, a lot to jump, and now you gotta manage. Like Harry Styles, one of the biggest. You're dating him, one of the biggest stars or for us to talent actors. Shia, method actor, like like that craziness of method actors. That's Shara, Chris Pine, Gemma Chan, Kiki 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 Lane. You know, mm-hmm. let's just come apart. You're kind of dealing with a lot of these big name actors, egos who've been nominated for awards and stuff like that. And for it to kind of be your fourth or third time and trying to massage and finesse it, it can be a lot. Mm-hmm. So. I will give her that, like, even though she's done other movies, she hasn't done movies on the, this big scale with Warner Brothers, like a major studio backing with mm-hmm. the amount of names she like Gemma's coming off of, you know, Eternals. These are big, big name people with a lot of ego. So it's kind of, I can see why all this is happening because she's, she's not there yet with the experience of acting. Maybe if she had one or two of them in the movie, she could develop that you know, manager mm-hmm. like skill of massage egos, but yeah, this is a big thing. So I think the reason why this is as insane as it is is because she's dating Harry Styles. Like I feel like if mm-hmm. that wasn't a factor, no one would yeah. care really. Like no one would care. Yeah. And I think just because they're in a relationship, it just makes this so much Everything more worse. It feels it yeah, it feels a little salacious. It feels a little tawdry. It just feels like it feels like a soap opera, really. That's kind mm-hmm. of how it's reading to me. Like all last week, that's all that was coming through. It was like this news and then the Shia news, like all of this stuff. And it's like, I don't know, because now I feel like people are going to still go see it maybe. But I think when I was reading the comments, everyone was like, this movie's going to be garbage. I'm not going to go see it, blah, blah, blah. It just seems like a lot of fluff. And I don't know if it's going to have the payoff that it could have had if they weren't in a relationship and she was just a director. But we'll see. We'll see. In the All box this it comes wouldn't out. happen if, you know, Disney would just let Tron 3 happen. Why do you care about that movie? Like, <laughs> I want the payoff at the end when she's Cora and she's in Sun and they're driving off in the sunset. She's in the real world. I need a payoff, man. So this is why this is happening. All right. This okay. is this is like it's like that curse on Whoopi Goldberg and you know color purple. You ain't you ain't gonna never do good. But I don't even know. I ain't watch movie, but I know the the meme where she she curses the person. This is why. This is why. I didn't read the. I didn't watch the movie. I didn't read the book. I don't don't know. I don't know anything about color purple. I can't. I don't know about color purple, but I know Whoopi Whoopi. Not even yeah. Whoopi curses somebody. You know. So I know that much. So yeah. Right. She curses Danny Glover. I know who. who? Is in the movie and what they do. So hey. what? It's the next story, Dale. <laughs> um. So of course, we, I do mention in the box office reviews about the state of you know the industry as far as numbers and the the dead turn. But 
don't worry, because there's a new holiday on the boards. Like, it seems like every day there's a new holiday coming up. To um, I think this is following the trend set up, set forth in Europe. Um, but it's for getting the National Association of Theater Owners got together um, and said for over 3,000 movies across the U.S. on September 3rd will be National uh, Cinema Day. So for that day, um, you can see any movie screening for $3 and, and, or less. Because um, like you said, between you know, COVID issues and um, of course this downturn in movies, you know, until Labor Day weekend, mm. um, these not like less than the studios, because nowadays all the studios own their own streaming platforms, so they're going to be fine. Mm. But the actual theaters themselves, it says that this is their slow point. Um, so, and like, I think the only major release that's out now would be, um, well, around Labor Day, as far as major releases are right now, you have, um, I think Rogue One got re-released in theaters and Spider-Man No Way Home being released again. But other than that, there aren't any really major movies coming out until November with, uh, Black Panther or Wakanda Forever. So, you know, so I guess if you, if you, Bored and got nothing to do. You got three dollars ring a hole in your pocket. This is the first perfect time to just go watch a random movie. You never know; you might find a hidden gem that you might like and become your new favorite favorite movie for the year. I think those those are usually the best movies. Those movies that slid on the radar, you watch and you if you get gravitated to it. So you never know; you might find a movie you actually enjoy for three dollars. So. Uh, let's wrap this up with our weekly recommendations. Still, what did you watch? Um, of course, I've mentioned repeatedly my love of um F one. Um, I did. This is a rewatch for me. Um, I rewatched uh, Rush. It's a kind of a biographical racing movie about James Hunt and Mickey Lauda. Um, this movie also features two Marvel actors. You got Crimson Work Thor and Daniel Burrow, who played um. Zemo as Mickey Lauda. And this also made watching the movie um again made me realize, I know I mentioned before with talking about E.T. with Drew Barrymore, and made me realize that in that list of child stars who've trying to transcend and made a name for himself in Hollywood, like Ron Howard has to be up there, like transitioning yeah. from you know a child actor to you know one of the best directors in Hollywood everybody wants to work with not just that because somehow he kind of transferred that skill onto to Bryce his daughter who's an amazing director in her own right so but yeah um of course if uh I'm a it's a biographical film this is it's a racing movie like those are two perfect as a sports movie so it was like two per, it was like three of my favorite things all in one um really enjoyable movie um especially it's also um really um, because uh, their story is also unique. Uh, Mickey and James Hunt, because James Hunt's only won one F1 championship. Mickey won repeatedly, you know, come back from having his face burnt. And then, you know, up until his uh, his death in 2019 was living. So it's a, if you're a lover of sports and you love people's overcoming adversity, this is a wonderful movie to watch. And also, it's one of Ron Howard's best movies. So, hey. And Olivia Wilde isn't. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Olivia Wilde's in this movie too. Yeah, just, Olivia Wilde's in this movie. Long <laughs> name forever. She's in this movie too. So wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. The feature of this episode, <laughs> Olivia Wilde. 
Um, yep, so I watched On the Count of Three, uh, which is a movie directorial debut by Gerard Carmichael, the comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also stars in the movie with Christopher Abbott. This came out at Sundance, and I wanted to see it at Sundance, but I couldn't see it at Sundance because I was watching something else, but whatever. Um, actually, all the screens were taken. That's why I couldn't see this movie. I really wanted to. But um, yes, it's about a man who wants to, who is ready to like end it, basically, and his best friend who's also ready to end it, and they decide to end it. But before they end it all, they're going to have one final day together, and it's just like, it's a dark comedy like it is about a very serious subject matter um i like they're talking about mental health though even if it's in those terms because things definitely change as things definitely change as the movie um progresses but um it's really funny i think christopher abbott is such a great actor like he needs to be in more things like james white is such a good movie and i feel like (laughs) He's in that, he's in the center, like he's in so many things, but I feel like he's not in enough stuff. Like he's such, he's like one of the best actors working today, but he's very underrated. I need him to be more. Anyway, um, I also think it's just a great directorial debut by Gerard. Like I didn't know he was an actor or a director. I knew he was a comedian, but I know he got into this stuff. The film has like a really, distinctive tone like it doesn't it's not like a ripoff of anything else um it feels really original the subject matter is really potent but also very funny and just really well written the chemistry between the two actors were great tiffany haddish haddish is in this movie and like this is the best thing i've ever seen tiffany haddish do in, in any film so like proud of that girl anyways yeah it's a really good movie it's on hulu I recommend you go see it if you want to see it, if you feel like you can chill with it. If not, that's cool. You don't need to watch it. Like if it's gonna trigger you, don't watch it. But if it's if you think you can handle it, go ahead and watch it because it's a really good film. Yeah. And oh, on that note, we hope that you're taking care of yourselves and having a good week. Make sure to check out all our social media, follow us on Letterboxd and support us if you can. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye. Au revoir. Oh, I've been talking. I've been talking for an hour. Why? Why carry a, a bottle of water with me? My mouth hurts. Why? <laughs> like I have the bottle of water. I'm like, whoa. That, that's-